Welcome to Highland Objects, podcasts that take you on a cultural tour of the Highlands and Islands of Scotland. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Highland Objects or visit the website highlandobjects.wordpress.com. Podcast 22, a Roscoe Yacht Jersey. Welcome to everybody who's tuned into this podcast about the Roska yachting jersey from the Alipal Museum. Uh, speaking to you will be myself, James McGregor, and uh, Robbie McKenzie. The object that we're talking about is a seaman's woolen jersey with the name of a yacht on it. Uh, the jersey's dark blue and the name of the yacht is embroidered in white. The jersey belonged to John Mackenzie from the township of Letters on Upper Loch Broom. And John lived from 1886 to 1959 and worked on the yacht, which is where he got this jersey, for many years. And this jersey is one of the last that he obtained. It came from the 1930s. Yeah, we were lucky to get this jersey. It belonged to Duncan Mackenzie, John's son, and it was found in his house by Sandy McKenzie later on. And we're just so grateful for Sandy for loaning us this artefact. It's such an important object to have from past times of the yachting. These jerseys were once very common up and down the West Coast, and they remind us really of a time when a lot of Highland communities were very dependent on the money that came in from the men who were working on those yachts. In this case... The name on the jersey of the yacht is Roska, and Roska was a sailing yacht owned in the 1930s by a Glasgow millionaire. He was a stockbroker by the name of Andrew McGeorge, and by a strange coincidence, the life dates, the date of birth and the date of death of John Mackenzie, the Highlander who used this jersey, and the millionaire who owned the yacht, were very similar. They both died in the same year, 1959, John was born in 1886 and McGeorge was born in 1887. Yachting around Scotland was a popular pastime for wealthy Brits from the late 1800s up until the Second World War. These yachts needed big crews, especially if they were used for racing. The owner couldn't sail the boat just with himself and his friends, even if he was a good sailor. And In fact, a lot of them weren't. They hired somebody else to be the skipper. So they needed crews. In Scotland, the Clyde owners often used West Highland uh, seamen to do the job. The West Highlanders, they were particularly um, chosen, I would imagine, uh, by these uh, rich yacht owners because of their qualifications, because they were good, honest people from good communities. They could get along with all kinds of people. You know, I, I think they were suitable candidates and they must have been sought out. Yes, I think so. They had a good combination of qualities and also their lifestyle with crofting and fishing. It helped them to work with this type of job, which was a seasonal kind of job. It only employed them for about 20 weeks of the year. Some of the skippers, and some of the, there were skippers who came from the Loch Broom Loch, Loch side, they might get a retainer or a payment that would last them throughout the whole year, but most of the men didn't get that. They were just paid for about 20 weeks of the year. So if you were a man living in a city, you probably couldn't live off 20 weeks of paid work in the year. But if you were a crofter in the Highlands and you could grow your own food or catch your own fish, you could live on that. 
So that's another thing that made the Highlanders uh, fit in with this kind of yachting seasonal work. They would do their jobs on the croft before they went uh, away in May time. Uh, they'd get the, they'd get the peats cut, maybe um, planting tatties, that sort of thing. And uh, then they would be home in the autumn time to do the other harder labour on the croft. But I think the women uh, and children would have done most of it, you know, carried them through the summer uh, when they were away. Yeah, that's exactly right. It, they would hopefully get the crops planted before they went away. Sometimes they'd be planting the potatoes with uh, snow on the ground uh, in late March or early April because they would go down to the Clyde to start to prepare the yachts for the season, even before the sailing started. So they'd be doing a lot of varnishing work and painting work as soon as they went away. So they would be in a rush to get the spring work uh, done. When they were away, the burden of the work of looking after the animals and tending the crops uh, fell on the women folk and the children. Of course, their neighbours would help if they, if they had to. An interesting thing, I think this would have, um, uh, well, it would have been a big bonus during the two world wars. The women were used to coping by themselves when the men were away for the summer. So I think during the two world wars, they, they got quite, they, they were quite adept at um, looking after themselves and running the crofts. I think that's true. And I think you mentioned the two wars. Of course, the yachting stopped in the First World War and the Second World War, and a lot of the yachts that the men worked on, they were converted into auxiliary patrol vessels or vessels for holding uh, marriage balloons. They were taken over by the Navy, mostly. And, of course, a lot of the men, they went to serve in the Navy or the other armed forces. Uh, Maybe another thing worth mentioning about is the years between the wars, which is when this jersey came from. There was a lot of poverty all over Scotland at that time. The Great Depression was on and not many jobs in the cities. And in the Highlands, the herring fishing was in a really bad way because all of the export of herring to Germany and Russia that had gone on before the war, that had finished really. So that had been a form of seasonal work for Highland men and women. So if you could get a job on the yacht, that would give you about two pounds a week in those years. That was very fortunate indeed. You could pay your rent with that and pay some other expenses. And then uh, if you had your own food, you could get by. So it was, a, it was a really important form of income in a lot of West Highland communities, particularly the Upper Loch Broom Loch side at that time. The, the fact that they were getting these jerseys for free, they were getting their whole uniforms for free, it, it was another added bonus that they could wear them through the winter at home and even even winters and summers afterwards uh, because the jerseys were such good quality. They would last forever. Yeah, they, they certainly lasted a very long time, and you're right. My own father, William McGregor, was a crewman on this yacht, the Rosca, alongside John Mackenzie before the war. And we've got photographs of him wearing his Rosca jersey years after the war. But, of course, he must have worn them out because none of them survive, whereas John's, as you said, is probably the only survivor of these yachting jerseys on Loch Broom. Um, It's it's interesting with our um, photo collection in the museum, uh, we have so many photos of all the men wearing these jerseys. Uh, that's how we started our research was just the names on the jerseys from the photographs and uh, just to name so many yachts that these men sailed on that you know it was a uh, visual record really for us 
Yes, that was a very helpful clue to start unlocking the story of which yachts and therefore which owners the Broom men were on. Without the names of the yachts on the jerseys, it would probably have been lost the, the record of some of these owners and some of the owners that the men worked for were very famous industrialists and uh, landowners back in the day. We have discharge books that showed that they sailed up to the Arctic and they got all around the Mediterranean. It, it was just amazing where these yachts took our men. Yes, indeed. Um, some of the yachts uh, were used for extended cruises, as you mentioned, into the Baltic and up the west coast of Norway. One of the biggest yachts that we found was owned by the Coates family of Paisley, and they all had yachts. And one of them was called the Glenifer, and her skipper was a Loch Broom man, very big yacht, and there's pictures of her taken um, up on the west coast of Norway. And even stories of some Loch Broom men on yachts bumping into each other by accident on the streets of St. Petersburg on their Baltic tours. Another interesting point is that the Second World War brought an end almost to the yachting. Few men went away, but not many. And by two or three years after the war had finished, the big yachting attracting the men working on the yachts had, had really dwindled away. Yeah, that's right. And um, in the connection of this particular jumper and the man that it came from, one sad thing to say about the war is that John Mackenzie, he and his wife had four sons, uh, and the three oldest sons all died during the war while away on war service. Uh, so they had only one surviving son, and it was him who preserved this uh, jersey so that it's available today. And he also kept a lot of photographs and a lot of information about the service of the lockside men on those yachts, his father and others amongst them. So the Aleppo Museum uh, owes a lot to the collection that he made about that whole activity. John Mackenzie's family, their by name was Honorach which in the Gaelic means uh, honest and honourable. It had come down through John's, John's grandfather, Roderick Mackenzie, and it reflected the way John did his work away on the yachts. Uh, he had many uh, references that came back describing him as trustworthy, capable, thoroughly reliable, honest, obliging, and all these adjectives. It can just be uh, applied to any man from the loch side that went away on the yacht, um, they were well sought after because of these good qualities. So the Lockside men were involved in this yachting activity for about 70 years from, let's say, 1880 to about 1950. And over those years, they worked on a huge variety of different types of yachts. There were sailing, racing yachts. There were luxurious steam yachts. And by the 1930s, there were actually a few motor yachts coming to the fore. And then there were general cruising and sailing um, dual-purpose um, boats, and that was what the Rosca was. The Rosca was a yacht that could uh, be used both for cruising and for uh, racing. She was built in 1930 and worked through the years up until the start of the Second World War. When the Rosca was built, probably have cost about £12,000, and that would be about 100 times the annual wage of your average working man. So in today's terms, that would be about £2.5 million, probably. And some of these old yachts are still around today, and the modern-day millionaires will buy and sell them because of their vintage quality and uh, their history. Four millions today. Most of them, of course, are now in the Mediterranean and warmer places. Hardly any of them are left on the Clyde.
The Aleppo Museum and some of those connected with it have been doing a lot of research over the last few years into the yachts that the men from the area worked on, and we spent a lot of time trying to track down the Rosca in particular. After a long search, we were very pleased to find that the Rosca is still around, still in use, at over 90 years of age. She's now called the Arosa, used by the Spanish Navy as a sailed training vessel. So we're very pleased to find that the Rosca is still around and even more pleased to have this jersey, which is a physical uh, reminder of this very important time in the history of the seamen of Loch Broom. Highland Objects is brought to you by Expo North Heritage, which is supported by Museums and Heritage Highland, Museums Gallery Scotland, Creative Scotland, Highlands and Islands Enterprise and Historic Environment Scotland.